And then on the last occasion, it was conducted through video teams, and Mr. Chai initially declined to activate his camera, saying he had some facial disfigurement, which caused him to not wish to do so. And then when he was directed to turn the camera on, he said that his camera was not working. I don't know, guys. I find it, yeah, I, I do find that disrespectful. Hi, welcome to the Lawcast. My name is Melanie Thorley and I'm the director here at MJT Law. Now, today we are going to look at some cases. Each of them are an unfair dismissal and I thought, oh, excuse me, and I thought that it would be uh, a good idea to go through uh, these cases because they're the most recent ones. Joe, this is the case of Joe Kai and Circo Citizen Services Pty Ltd. And again, it's another unfair dismissal application and Serco made an application to have the matter dismissed. Um, and that's because the applicant, Joe Kai, just continued to fail to turn up, to, to be there, to, to do stuff. Um, and they say Circo's dismissal application was motiva motivated by Kai's failure to attend proceedings, dealing with the matters, um, dealing, dealing with the merits of his application on the 18th of January and the 17th of January and prior to the scheduled proceedings he contacted the Chambers Commission by telephone and left a voicemail advising he had a migraine and couldn't, be, couldn't attend. So there were a bunch of things going on with this chap. On the 18th of January uh, the lawyer for Serco expressed concerns about wasted resources. And, and look, you can understand that. As an employee, I absolutely see it. You know, this is a huge issue. You want to get it organised. You fold the application and you've got a severe migraine. And that's really tough. But you are forcing the other side to, to spend money. Literally spend money. And, uh, and eventually the uh, respondent or the respondent solicitor is going to make a point of that. Now, the applicant put forward an explanation to his non-attendance and provided several medical certificates summarised as he had developed what he describes, Mr Chai say, says he developed what he describes as being a migraine over the course of Tuesday the 17th of January and did not seek medical attention that day and waited until 4.56pm before communicating to my chambers that he was unable to attend the hearing the next day. On Wednesday, the 18th of January, after being directed to do so um, by the Commission, he consulted with Dr. Shen, who stated Mr. Chai is being treated for a medical condition for a period of between the 18th and 19th inclusive, and he, she, will be unable to attend work study. In a certificate dated the 20th of January, Dr. Shen elaborated and said, Mr. Chai stated he could not attend the hearing meeting due to a headache related to stress and insomnia. In a certificate dated the 21st of January, Dr. Wang said Mr. Chai stated Mr. Chai has had worsening headache due to anxiety and stress. In a further certificate on the 26th of January, Dr. Shen said that he had seen Mr. Chai via phone consult and face-to-face -face consults in September 2022 due to ongoing anxiety for which he'd been suffering chronic headache and insomnia. So that was the reasons. Look, there's a whole pile of legislation about this, um, but 
um, the, uh, the commission said Mr Chai did not attend the mentions proceedings on the 25th of November uh, due to prior arrangement and he advised the commission the day before of that. On the occasion mentioned on, on that occasion the mention hearing proceeded in, in the applicant's absence and Mr Chai was cautioned about failing to attend and Mr Chai did not comply with the commission's filing directions and which he was obliged which obliged him to file material in support of his case uh, and Mr. Chai later provided material on the 21st, which was, an, which was a sufficient form as to be characterised as complying with caution to give him, given to him by Chambers. Fine. And then he failed to attend more proceedings. And then um, Mr. Chai's explanation of his non-attendance um, puts forward that he had a combination of several afflictions, headaches, migraines, anxiety, prevented his attendance. His doctors had provided with some basic medical certificates which do not provide anything other than the generalised um, illumination of Mr Chai's condition and does not conclusively say that he was incapacitated to such an extent that he could not attend the proceedings. In circumstances, though the certificates established that the applicant has a history of some length of headaches and anxiety, they did not although certify that the symptoms were so debilitating de de as to prevent his attendance at the commission, or so would be unable to conduct his case if he did not if he did attend. Look, this went on and on. Um, headaches and feelings of anxiety are hardly unique for, um, to Mr Chai's matters in this time. Many applicants, indeed many witnesses and respondents, also have feelings of distress um, and the need to attend further commissions in relation to proceedings and have either um, initiated or must respond. Um, Mr Chai is of the view that he is unlikely to be available for legitimate medical reasons, then it must be necessary for him to consult a medical practitioner before the date and provide the commission with information. Um, and then on the last occasion, it was conducted through video teams and Mr Chai initially declined to activate his camera, saying he had some facial disfigurement which caused him to not wish to do so and then when he was directed to turn the camera on, he said that his camera was not working. I don't know, guys. Neither of the circumstances are satisfactory. And at best, and the commission goes on to say, um, and at best are extremely disrespectful to both, both to the other parties involved in the matter and as well to the commission. And the matter was rescheduled. Um, in this case, the application for dismissal wasn't granted. And again, I, I look at the... The context of this and it really is fascinating that the Commission goes to such lengths to um, excuse me um, goes to such lengths to um, enable the applicant to actually have the matter prosecuted um, and I do actually find this concept of the camera really interesting I take uh, consults every day every work day and sometimes I've through teams and sometimes the person I'm doing the consult with has chosen a team's um, consult but they've chosen not to put their camera on or the camera isn't working and actually I find that really insulting as well and um, maybe it's a new first world issue but if I've gone to the trouble of putting a team's meeting together that I'm on video and presentable um, 
I would either prefer that person to have the camera on or we'd do this by telephone. Uh, I do find it disrespectful that I'm sitting there staring at a camera screen, staring at my computer screen with no face to talk to. Um, and I find it, yeah, I, I do find that disrespectful. So it is an interesting thing that the Commission has gone out and said that also. Okay, and really quickly, uh, in the final case, this is uh, Scott Hillebrand and DFL Racing Services. This is a fascinating one where the guy gets incarcerated. Um, he doesn't meet the, the time frame for being employed because they're a small business. And they try to do something a little bit unique. I think they try to do something a little bit unique. And it says, during the hearing, Mr. Jervis submitted that the applicant was originally employed on the 1st of June and he was incarcerated for a matter unrelated to his employment and did not attend work um, from July 2022. Um, and the director of the respondent was unaware that the applicant was going to take extended period of leave and he was paid out as entitlements um, for the remain, for remaining hours worked. Um, so basically, the applicant asserts that from the 1st of June to the 25th of November um, is continuous service and he had never requested to be paid out as entitlements and that he was unable to contact the respondent due to being incarcerated for six weeks and his incarceration was on the spot. And the applicant assumed that his partner at the time would have informed his employer that he was going to jail. And look, he concedes that um, his entitlements remaining hours were all paid out, uh, but, um, but the respondent, you know, he never told him that he was in jail. Um, and the commission decided that, yes, the applicant was dismissed for abandoning his employment. Uh, the respondent had... The respondent was not properly informed of the possibility the applicant was going to be placed into custody and I, don't, I do not believe that there's any merit in the argument that the applicant was incarcerated on the spot because the applicant had legal representation at the time and had the ability to send correspondence to the applicant, to the respondent. As the respondent was paid out of his entitlements in the remaining hours worked, I find that this is evidence that the respondent dismissed the applicant in July 2022. Now, it does say that, you know, had they had informed the respondent, then there could have been a different story. But there is this kind of weird thing that happened where there was a letter. And uh, considering the period of continuous service, I do not accept there was authorised absence contemplated. And that's because they had kind of, uh, the, the, res, the respondent, the applicant's lawyers had asked the respondent if they would re-employ him after his incarceration. I think they said they would. And somehow they, they saw that as continuous employment and it didn't work. So that's what I really wanted to say. There are some sneaky ways to try and get around this, but in fact, the whole thing went to pot. And uh, the court, well, the commission found that the, the, uh, they hadn't reached the required time frames and therefore um, the matter was dismissed and what I mean by that is he hadn't been there for 12 months in order to be eligible to file an unfair dismissal application uh, and therefore the matter was dismissed but I think the lesson learned here is it's just not going to be enough if you get incarcerated yes there are some challenges to that but you do get to speak to your lawyer and your lawyer could have mentioned it to your employer um, I think these are all really interesting cases and, and I think 
what it shows is that the Commission goes to such lengths to help the applicant get this over the line. And in fact, in this case, um, the Commission had written to these people, oh, uh, no, sorry, this is my, my doggy dog dog, he's trying to get me to play with his call. Um, instead, I'm just going to give him a cuddle. Uh, okay, so the Commission itself has been going to really big lengths in order to uh, get these applications over the line and get them at a hearing. But in fact, it's the applicant who's been obstructive time and time again. Um, now, obviously, there are some more obstructive behaviours than others, and being incarcerated is um, pretty tough, but in fact, you know, the matter still has to get prosecuted somehow, and this person was out of time. I hope you have enjoyed the four cases. Uh, they, they're not, none of them talk about whether the dismissal itself was unfair. All of them are about whether or not the matter gets dismissed before it gets to hearing, and in three of them they were, and in one of them they weren't. Um, thank you for watching. I hope you've enjoyed today's session. It's been quite a long one, and I'll see you next week. Uh, Again at the Lawcast. <laughs> Thank you everyone for watching and listening. <laughs>